The U.S. migration to EMV is now in full swing, and merchants, consumers, and banking institutions are making adjustments to change their payment methods and habits. EMV, undoubtedly, is changing the way payments are made and is laying the groundwork for emerging near-field communication payments, such as mobile payments. Here, Randy Vanderhoof, director of the EMV Migration Forum, explains how and why the migration to EMV is expected to spur adoption of mobile payments in the U.S. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. So, Randy, before we get into this whole discussion about EMV and mobile payments, could you just give us a quick update about the state of EMV in the U.S. and how it's being deployed? Yeah, I'd be happy to, Tracy, and thanks for the opportunity to talk to you and your viewers today. So, um, you know, EMV has, has really uh, been in the news really for the last three years, but uh, a lot of attention had focused around the October liability shift date and whether the market would be ready for accepting EMV chip cards in, in most retail locations. I think what proved out was what a lot of uh, people from inside the industry understood is that it was going to be a mixed result. We were going to see um, uh, issuers issuing many millions of chip cards, but probably not get all of their cards issued by the liability shift date. And then certainly merchants who had the much bigger lift in terms of infrastructure change, we expected that there would be a fair number of merchants that were enabled by the liability shift. And some people were a little disappointed that those numbers weren't higher, but understanding that um, the complexity of the move and the changes that were required leading into the holiday season, I think, made many of the um, larger chains um, take a longer view on the, the upgrade to EMV and chose to take a more measured approach and take more time to make the changes active. And so we saw somewhat of a lull over the holiday seasons. And then in January, once everyone was past that particular rush period, you started seeing many more of the chains activating their systems and moving to full implementation. So as we move into 2016, we have a pretty good story to tell. We have a majority of the cards in the market have now converted to chip. We have many of the large retail chains that most consumers experience a shopping ex experience with their cards at some point in time are enabled for EMV. We have um, many more small retail merchants who have finally gotten their equipment and gotten it upgraded. And now we're kind of waiting for the map to fill in with some of the mid-tier merchants in some parts of the market that are a little bit lagging. But we expect that this map is going to continue to fill in over the coming months and years. And by coming out of 2016, we should be at a state where we're largely um, and, and completely upgraded and operational. So Randy, not to belabor this point, but I do want to touch on it. Authentication has been a big point of discussion when it comes to the EMV migration. So the U.S. for the most part has enabled this migration to EMV with a signature authentication rather than doing the chip and pin authentication that so many in the industry, especially on the merchant side, thought was important. Do you see there being any kind of mix there as far as how authenticating these EMV transactions is taking place? Well, I haven't seen much of a mix. I think the vast majority of uh, consumers, when they received their cards, were told that these cards operated like their old cards did in terms of using a signature to complete the transaction. And I think most of the transactions today are signature-based. 
you know, with the exception of uh, debit cards, which always offer an online PIN option for payment processing. I think it was important for the market to make the transition as simply and easily as possible, and certainly having the familiarity with completing the transaction with the signature where required, or simply being able to grab your card and receipt and walk out with no CVM was beneficial to uh, helping get consumers and merchants you know, over this learning curve initially with the use of the chip cards. So Randy, as I mentioned in the introduction, EMV technology is expected to spur adoption of near-field communication or NFC payments. Though most of the EMV deployments that are underway right now are contact, not contactless payments. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And so do you see contactless payments being the next wave for EMV? And is this something that merchants are investing in as far as the technology is concerned? Yeah, I definitely see it's getting a lot more attention now that we've gone through the initial wave of chip cards in the market and chip accepting terminals in the market. And now there's a lot of discussion around contactless and NFC, which is really a good sign because we do have the acceptance infrastructure in place now to enable more contactless payments. And so I think there will be more and more consumers who once they've gotten familiar with the chip technology and inserting the card are going to also be attracted to being able to use their mobile phone or other means of simply tapping and paying rather than the, uh, the insertion process. So it's all about taking small steps to get to the end result, and I think what we're seeing is that this transition and uh, popularity of moving from swipe cards to chip cards to mobile phones and even wearables and other forms of payment are all going to be a progressive change that's going to take time over the next few years to materialize. Randy, something that we've talked about quite a bit, you and I, and, and it's come up with others in the industry, is that the thought is that EMV is kind of laying the groundwork for this migration to mobile payments. And of course, mobile payments, that will be a contactless payment in, in most forms if it's an EMV transaction. So where do you see mobile falling into this contactless EMV fold? The knock about mobile payments and even contactless cards prior to EMV was that it really wasn't much more convenient for the consumer to swipe their card rather than to tap their phone to make a transaction. But now that consumers are using their chip cards and inserting them in the terminals and holding them there until the transaction is completed and removing them, it does make for a stronger case for the convenience and speed that mobile phones offer. And the mobile wallet technology has gotten much more pervasive. We're no longer looking at a single mobile device or a single network operator supporting mobile wallets. We're starting to see the market mature with competitors to Apple Pay like Samsung Pay and Android Pay entering the market with a much more diverse breadth of mobile devices that they support. And so the combination of the new options that could bring more consumers into the mobile payment space coupled with the mobile acceptance infrastructure now in place as a result of EMV 
I think we're positioned really well to see mobile payments take off in 2016. I think the next step in that process to make that jump happen faster will be to find ways to bring something in addition to the checkout process for the mobile wallet. And that's the area of mobile offers and, and couponing and things that go beyond the simple method of uh, passing the payment credential to the payment device. So Randy, let's expand a bit here on your expectations for 2016 and the fact that mobile payments could in fact take off. You know, we talk a lot about mobile payments, but the reality is that adoption of mobile payments, even Apple Pay, is still relatively low. What can the industry do to help spur more widespread adoption of mobile payments? Well, uh, certainly education and awareness will help, and seeing more media advertising about Apple Pay and Samsung Pay, as we've seen recently, is certainly educating the market about its capabilities. And it's really a matter of timing as well, because we have to get through the upgrade cycles of consumers who need upgrading from their older Apple devices to the newer Apple models that support Apple Pay and the Samsung models and the Android-based models that previously didn't support the mobile wallets entering the market. And since that turnover happens, you know, roughly every 18 to 24 months in many cases, we're going to see this building infrastructure of mobile wallet-enabled devices. And once the providers of the wallet solutions um, feel that they've got the mass market in place with capable devices, I think you're going to see a stronger emphasis on adoption and usage by adding additional capabilities to that mobile device that will bring in a much broader uh, consumer market. And merchants, by the way, who need to be equally engaged because without the acceptance infrastructure, nothing that the providers of, of mobile wallets and applications on those mobile devices can do to get usage unless there's places where that phone can be actually used. So Randy, I'm going to ask for your opinion here, but I'm also going to ask you to maybe speak a little bit about where the industry falls on mobile payments. How important would you say mobile payments are, and why are the card brands, Visa and MasterCard primarily, so interested in moving the U.S. market in this mobile direction? Well, as many people have observed, there's a wave of mobile and payments innovation happening across the marketplace. And so the brands and the issuing banks and even the, the mobile device manufacturers and operators want to be in the position to be able to leverage the interest in payments on mobile devices. And so it's really about the consumer and meeting the consumer where they are at rather than trying to hold that consumer's interest on technology that perhaps is not changing fast enough for some customers. So I really think that payments is the foundation. And then with the digitization of payments in many new forms, from chip cards to mobile devices to in-app applications to even things like wearables, watches, and, and wristbands, etc., what you're seeing is that the established players in the market are broadening their field so that they can hold on to their existing customers and attract the new, more tech-savvy customers where they want to be so that 
they can maintain their hold on the payments market. And then, Randy, before we close, are there any final thoughts you'd like to share with our audience about EMV or the impact that it's having on mobile? Well, both EMV and mobile are really a um, slow-moving train. As much as we want to rush this along and see every consumer adopting it and using it every day, uh, payments, you know, historically does take time uh, to catch on. And so we shouldn't be so concerned about the numbers at this point in time as we are about the number of options and applications that are coming into the market from investors in this technology. As long as we continue to see the big names continuing to invest in this technology and improve it and make it better, then we know that over time consumers will come to adopt it and demand it, and that is going to drive the issuing side and the acceptance or the merchant side to continue to meet consumers where they're at. Well, Randy, I appreciate your time today, and I'd like to thank you again. Well, thank you, Tracy. Appreciate your time as well. Again, we've just heard from Randy Vanderhoof of the EMV Migration Forum. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.